Every morning is a new opportunity to take in the news of the day and the challenges of life and try to make sense of it all. Right now, we've got a show that tackles the topics and asks what you think. So get ready to start your day with a bold look at history as it happens. Let's learn, live, and sometimes laugh together. It's the Mark Davis Show on 660 AM, The Answer. All right, everybody, 9 o'clock hour. Welcome on in. It is fantastic to have you here. Welcome, welcome. A lot going on on the show already. A lot was going on over the weekend, including the drubbing of Nikki Haley by Donald Trump. Matt McCoviak with us with a wonderful analysis session. Uh, Congressman Pat Fallon slated for now. Things happen in Congress. It may be later this hour. It may be tomorrow, whatever it is. It is, and it will be energetic and delightful because Pat is a force of nature. All righty, uh, 866-660-5759. That opens the latitude for you and me to sling some things back and forth because the things that have arisen, if you, first of all, you're just joining us, uh, they, it was a 20-point win for Trump over Haley in South Carolina. So what now? Trump will continue to rack up win after win after win. What in the world is the explicable reason uh, for for her to keep running. There are only a couple. They are in no particular order. She hates Trump and wants to delay the degree to which he can unify the party and beat Biden. Uh, I, I think she's got an, an ego-driven grudge against Trump. She doesn't like. She, she got this close. I mean, she dispatched all the fellas, as she uh she calls them. Only one fella left. Well, this fella ain't going anywhere. And it's time for the lady to step down. And there will be continuing Republican hues and cries for her to do exactly that. And it doesn't look like she's going to do that. So does she envision some third party, no labels nonsense? I don't think so, because that is just a sure path to obscurity. Now, Matt and I were talking about the degree to which some of these uh, third-party folks, specifically sort of RFK Jr., uh, could could have some uh, some some resonance in some states. Now, with an RFK Jr., does he hurt Democrats or Republicans more? It's kind of hard to say. Depends on the state. Depends on what people are paying attention to RFK Jr. for. If they're paying attention to his uh, vaccine skepticism, there's going to be a portion of Republicanism that loves that. If it's Democrats looking for a non-bug-eyed extremist with some Democrat ideas, then that's a Democrat appeal for RFK Jr. But here's the thing. If if he gets 4%, and I'm being generous here, in the general election and the popular vote, uh, what does that matter? Well, it matters if he wins or loses a state for a particular candidate that was razor thin, like a Wisconsin, like an Arizona, like a Pennsylvania, et cetera, et cetera. As for Nikki Haley, as as sparse as her appeal is within Republican circles, is it enough to cost Trump a state? Maybe. So then you end up thinking, what does Nikki Haley want in her long-term future? Does she want to forever be remembered as the woman who gave Joe Biden another term or whoever the Democrat Party coughs up at its August convention in Chicago? Is that what she wants, especially if she is thinking even remotely about running in uh, in 2028? I don't think so. So I don't think there's going to be some... Uh, uh, th- third party, no labels, uh, nonsense happening for Nikki Haley. So what's left? What is the, the most plausible thing? And Matt said that campaigns 
tend to stay alive as long as there's money coming in. There will be less of that as some Koch brothers money and Americans for Prosperity have indicated, eh, we're about done here. There'll be less of that, but she will continue to be the darling of the media culture because they will love her for being a thorn in Donald Trump's side. They love that. Anything that delays the day where he can marshal all of his forces, achieve Republican unity, and aim all of his fire at Biden, uh, the leftist uh, media culture is trying to hold that off for as long as possible. So speaking of as long as possible, that I think is the ultimate Nikki Haley uh, gamble. And that is to stay in, Technically, not uh, not quit the campaign, but maybe we'll get that the key word that is often used. Even DeSantis used it some months ago. I'm suspending the campaign or some weeks ago. DeSantis said he's not you don't you don't quit. You suspend, which means you're hitting a pause button. If something should happen where you are suddenly needed to rush in from the sidelines, you can still be there because your campaign didn't, in fact, end. it just suspended. So why would she do that? On the off chance that just something so crazy happens, either in a courtroom or elsewise, and I know that 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 every bit of writing on the wall points to Trump as the nominee, but would that change if he gets you know convicted between now, you know, and the convention? I don't think there's any conviction that's likely to come down the pipeline between now and July. Remember, we go first. Our convention in Milwaukee is in July before the uh, before the riots begin at the uh, Democrat convention in Chicago in August. So it, it's a long game. It's a long con. It is a gamble based purely on ego and self-absorption. And um, she needs to really count on memories being short. And by the way, they are. Uh, America can always be counted on to forget stuff that happened pretty recently. So... And a political eternity can be six months, four years from now. And a lot of it depends on on what happens to Trump. If Trump wins and he has just this second, wonderful, successful, make America great again, America first term that delights conservatives and re-energizes the party even further in his direction, there just won't be much need for her to tee it up uh, in 2028. If Trump is damaged goods. If he loses to Biden, now, if she helps him lose to Biden, there'll be no goodwill waiting for her in 2028. Nobody's memory is that short. But if she begs off and and ultimately, you know, comes out and grudgingly uh, helps Republicans unify, but Trump loses anyway, she can come back in 2028 and say, I told you so. I could have beaten him. And there's really no way to disprove that, except that that if that, that in Trump and Haley, Trump has tons of baggage, obviously. But is it outweighed by the degree to which the people who love him love him? The supporters who don't just want his policies back, but some X factor number of Americans who want to deliver a message. A kick in the shins, a massive middle finger to the people who have done this to him in the media culture, in the courtroom culture, in the justice culture, you know, among these prosecutors and persecutors and district attorneys, the Fonnie Willis's, the Letitia James's, you know, the Alvin Bragg's, a massive rebuke to them by making him president again. That's a lot of people who want to do that. How many? I don't know. 
enough to help me guarantee a Trump win? Nope, I'm not that stupid. But it is the kind of thing that you have to to appreciate and at least understand and recognize that it is there. If the Democrats don't offer Joe Biden, and we've talked about that 10 or 15 times, it, it's, it, it's, I think, the way to be mentally healthy through, uh, through the spring is to presume that it's going to be Biden until it's not. I mean, if you sit here today and go, how about Gavin Newsom? How about Kamala? <laughs> right. I'm, the path toward Biden not being on the ballot is crazy. 25th Amendment seems really unlikely. Folks getting to him behind closed doors, getting to Jill and saying, look, we got the votes for 25th Amendment. We got the vice president and like 10 members of the cabinet. He needs to get on TV like tonight and get out of the race. Is that possible? Anything's possible. So um, it, but there's just zero reason to indicate that that's happening. Now, we don't know that it's not, but you can't prove a negative. So as long as there is not, I mean, the first day that cringe Jean-Pierre goes before the uh, the, the White House uh, press corps and says, I don't know, you know, the, the minute she seems to waver on the notion of a Biden re-election, now, now there's something. Now there is something. But that hasn't happened, and it may not. So um, so there we are. Now, uh, Matt gave us a lot on uh, on various state-level issues. Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick was on with us last week, and he was on Inside Texas Politics with uh, with Jason Whiteley and talked a little bit about some of the Texas races. Here, a lot is on the line March 5th. You know that very well here. Do, do you yeah. expect enough Republican House seats are going to flip to get school vouchers passed next session? So five of the people who voted against school vouchers retired, interestingly enough. Uh, they cast the no vote to kill the vouchers on the way out the door. Um, and the five people running in those seats, there's three or four in each race, all of them are running on school choice. So whoever wins, uh, that's five votes we pick up. Uh, we believe that there will be enough turnover of other seats or enough convincing of people uh, that they should vote for uh, school choice. Let's say a few House members, Jason, survive, and, and some will. They'll be surprised on both sides. But maybe if they're in a close election, maybe they'll realize for the first time people are paying attention. So two things on that. First of all, on school choice. Texans want school choice by large margins. So there are people walking around saying, well, if school choice is awesome, why, why do my kids' teachers think that it's the devil's work? Why, does our, why did our school system just send out an email indicating that we need to vote against it? By the way, that's illegal. It's electioneering. You can't do it. Ken Paxton is suing the Denton ISD because the schools are taking sides in this because they are scared to death of the competition that school choice affords. You as a parent, you as a student, you as a family, having additional choices is kryptonite to the educrats, the education bureaucracy, bureaucrats, or in many cases, Democrats, who fill so many positions in schools, in te- even in Texas, even in Texas. And they know that that competition means they're going to have to up their game and maybe dial back the indoctrination because suddenly families and, and parents and students will have choices that they can make. This is why your kid's teacher and Coach Yablonski, who everybody loves so very, very much, thinks that uh, that school choice is the devil's work is because he's been buying the union-style propaganda 
and maybe some of these uh, campaign advertisement lies that are festooned all over the place these days, that school choice is somehow bad. Or, uh, worst of all, that it will somehow uh, benefit illegals over your kid. These people know no shame. School choice is good. School choice is something Texans want. Now, the other thing Lieutenant Governor said involved how some people may survive. I think most incumbents are going to survive. Now, there are there's some folks who uh, boarded the Paxton impeachment train and voted against school choice, like Glenn Rogers in District 60 west of Fort Worth, who might get beaten by Mike Olcott, maybe. I don't think there'll be a lot of races like that. That are close. It's it's uh, Mitch Little is a big deal running against Cronda Timish in sixty three. Uh, Cronda was wrong in impeachment, but was on the right side of school choice. Mitch is a big deal and a very good candidate and a well financed candidate. Could that be one that falls? Maybe. Most of the Paxton impeachment monkeys will survive. Um, some who doubled down on ill wisdom by opposing school choice. That might be a different fate for them. But in every one of these races, where let's say there's a Paxton impeachment or a Patrick impeachment, or an Abbott impeachment against an incumbent, they're going to have results that are far closer than they otherwise would have been, indicating to them that maybe they need to pay attention uh, to what's going on in their uh, in their districts. We're in Flower Mound. Dave, Mark Davis, welcome. How are you? Good. Thanks for taking my call. Hi. I appreciate the work sure. you do. Thank you. So, kind of got to back into this one. My, my thought is simply the reason that Nikki Haley refuses to exit the race has more to do with providing cover for the election interference. What is it? What does it look like if Trump's wrapped everything up? Um, help me understand what you mean. How does her continue? How does her continuing campaign provide provide smoke to obscure election interference? How, how do you mean? Right. So, so if no one else is in the race, it's blatant. You, do you see what I'm saying? No. Trump is if Trump has wrapped it up. Right. That means that means it puts a much sharper point on the argument that they're engaged in election interference. I don't don't see how those uh, those Venn diagrams meet, because will 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 cheating be a factor this year? Of course, it will hopefully less than 2020 and hopefully we'll have eyeballs on it and hopefully we'll win enough by a sufficient margin that it won't matter. Uh, Is it a fuzzier amount if you have a Haley candidacy in there? You know what? Wait a minute. Maybe so that if there is a Haley candidacy, like an independent candidacy, and it just adds another factor where, well, maybe Trump didn't win Arizona because after all, Haley got six percent. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Um, I, I, yeah, but that's why she's in. No, she's in for her. She's in for her. Is what you've described a, a possible scenario that could be part of the baked in uh, storylines of November? Maybe. But is that her motivation? I don't think so. 924. 929 To the phones, to the phones, ahead of the news with Nikki Whaley, we are in Temple, Texas. John, welcome. Happy Monday. How are you? Hey, Mark. John from Temple. Howdy. Let me say this. 
first time, long time. <laughs> Thanks for both. You, I, love, I love you, man. Um, so let's talk school choice. Mm-hmm. Um, so I taught school for 10 years, a long time ago. Um, and now I'm around schools because I, I'm a businessman and I, I uh, work with schools. So when I talk to my people, my teachers, they bring up extracurricular activities such as band and football, and uh, and they feel like it would really, really hurt their programs. Why? Well, okay, so let's say you're – you're you're in a, a marching band and you're one of the better students, mm-hmm. but down the street is a superior program right. that has more kids, more money, and you just say, I'm gonna go over there. So now that's going to ruin the the band program that was average. It's just gonna make it worse. So one so if you have first of all, you have an average band program, let's ask why. It's average and not any better. And secondly, we're supposed to deny families choice because Billy might take his trombone and leave the government school? Really? Well, he's not going to leave the government school. He's going to go to another government school. Not Um, not necessarily. But, well, um, but the reason the first school wasn't that great was because of they have less money. And I I I I doubt that. Schools don't tend to be don't tend to be bad because they ain't got enough money. Well, okay. What about what about football teams? Let's just go on raw talent. Mm-hmm. Let's okay. go on. So let's go on a kid who's in a in a five A. So again, I, he, I I get it. I, these are all sort of school narcissism. It's like our band, our football team. So Billy's a good running back and decides to go down the street to another school. So what? It's called competition. It's called choice. The rising tide lifts all the boats. It's a it's a wonderful thing. I, I understand that public schools, the government schools, have this 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 monopoly that they currently enjoy, and life's got to be pretty sweet. But it's not, but this is something we do for families. This is something we do for children. Something we do for parents. They win. Well, and so you got to go with the idea. The possible idea is is the is the freedom and the importance of the individual does that outweigh what is best for everybody in a school for any any, any individuals any individual school yes absolutely without reservation absolutely and for all of these schools who are, are just wringing their hands and I by the way and I don't you know give the back of my hand to that concern I and you've voiced it very very well I get it competition is tough when you're the only game in town get better you know, be, 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 and I know that's, it's easy to say and hard to do, but, but do it because in the atmosphere of a monopoly and the comforting, nurturing womb of zero competition, uh, the, the, the people have been able to have whatever band and whatever football team they've wished. And if there's a school down the road that competes, then get better. And, and when, when everybody gets better, everybody benefits. Appreciate you, sir. 932. Mark Davis into the newsroom. We go. Here's Nikki Whaley. All together now. Any excuse to roll out some cheap tricks? Robin Zander, Rick Nielsen of the boys. With a cover of Ain't That a Shame? By the great Fats Domino, born this date in 19... Uh, what was it, 1918? What day was that? 
1928. Anyway, Fats Domino's birthday. One of my favorite stories is Fats loved that cover that Cheap Trick did, loved it so much that he gave his gold record, gave his gold record for, uh, uh, for, uh, for Ain't That a Shame, gave it to, um, gave it to Rick Nielsen, who holds it uh, to, to this day. Yeah, Fats Domino, born this date, 1928. Sorry, I can't read my own writing. But if my writing says go to Pat Fallon, we do it. Fourth District Congressman, welcome, sir. How are you? Mark, how are you? Great day to meet American. It, it? It's fantastic. It, it is crazy in primary season. Has primary season gotten worse? Is it weirder and worse and sharper elbows, or do we just kind of forget every two years? Uh, I think we forget. <laughs> it, it, this reminds us, but this is, uh, this is a well-funded sharp elbows uh, in the Republican primary this time across the state. So it's definitely gets your popcorn very interesting. Now, I want to talk about some congressional things because that's your current gig. But across the state landscape, the Austin landscape that, that you uh, patrolled as both a state rep and a senator, Dave, Paxton trying to come after people who came after him. Abbott opposing incumbents who thwarted him on school choice. Boy, sometimes there are, uh, it's like a a web of competing endorsements. How does that make things even more complex? You know, I just had this conversation last night with a couple of my state rep friends, Mark, and some of the incumbents are going to lose. Some of the incumbents are going to lose that wouldn't have otherwise lost because um, they are taking on too much water, if you will. You know, a boat can only take on so much water. And when you've got, let's say there's been a few that, you know, won their elections, they were pretty close, the primaries last cycle. But when you have the attorney general coming after you, and then you have Governor Abbott coming after you, and Governor Abbott's put a lot of money behind it, yep. that's some, for some of these folks, I, it's hard to say how many incumbents, because I've been privy to some polling, but we're going to probably lose five to 10 incumbent state reps the primaries this cycle and that's a lot it is it is indeed so it'll and, and is it is it all for the good it's kind of funny because we always talk about after the carnage of the primaries will we be able to all you know get together and row the boat in the same direction toward november i think generally that's yes but uh my buddy matt mccoviak asked a great question the the real challenge is going to be not november but january when when the legislature you know mm-hmm. meets again, will they be able to get over some of these longstanding grudges? Especially if like Dane Phelan loses, please let that happen. Well, let's say like May March sixth, we got to move on and unite, or at least after the the runoffs, because I think uh, some of these folks are going to be in runoffs. And listen, some of these incumbents that are going to lose, it's going to be one of these things where Mark Davis, myself, and many others say good riddance. But and some of them are going to get in the crosshairs, and we're going to lose some good members. So it's it's one of those dichotomies. But regardless, we got to work together or we look like clowns. So what I would like to see, regardless of who the speaker is next uh, session, is the Speaker of the House and the Lieutenant Governor, who runs the chamber, um, the upper chamber, they can get along and work together with the governor for the betterment of Texas. Because I want to keep us ruby red, baby. You get- I want to be talking about <laughs> That's right. Texas. That is precisely, precisely right. Speaking of unity and rowing the uh, the boat in the same direction, uh, help me psychoanalyze Nikki Haley. Why do you think she is in when the writing is on the wall in indelible Sharpie? Uh, probably, you know, echo chamber, the wrong people around her. Because if she was asking honest counsel from myself, I think you're, you'd be giving her similar counsel, which is to say, not only are you now really not serving the conservative cause at all, you're hurting your own political prospects in the future. Nobody's impressed with you staying in other than the really the never Trumpers. And you're really doing the bidding of the left at this point. So he's going to be, we know Donald Trump's going to be the nominee. 
And even if he's not, Nikki, just because you have refused to get out doesn't mean that at the convention, the delegates would choose you. If, you know, in some weird universe, Donald Trump says, I don't want it come the summer. It's not going to be Nikki Haley. Now you're just you're hurting your own cause. Please. It's going to be Donald Trump. We need him to be president again. January 25. Step aside. Do the right thing for the cause. And oh, by the way, you. I want, sometimes in talking to people, uh, I like to dip in and see what they've been doing, what they've been posting. You showed some love uh, to the folks over at Charter for a uh, – here, here was their um, – no, hang, oh, I'm sorry. This is a long time ago. This is back in 2020. I was looking at an old post. What's your current Twitter feed? There was something – you know, let me, let me use this as a, as a point of departure anyway. Four sure. long years ago, you showed them some love for not laying people off when, when, things, when, when things were hard. What's, what, what's the overall – as we take a look at an economically strong Texas, as we take a look at the things that we're all trying to do, as we take a look at a Biden economy that has hurt everybody across the board, uh, what keeps us immune – what, what kind of things is the, 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 the Texas corporate community? Uh, by the way, AT&T give it, get, just gave me $5 back for the outage the other day. Uh, how's the whole Republican Party versus corporations relationship going at the moment? You know, it's, it's another very good question, Mark, because typically you know, we are the party that's very pro-business. We're very pro-commerce. I want to be more pro-market than pro-business, per se, because I don't want to pick winners and losers. But the, the relationship has been traditionally very strong. Unfortunately, as we've all seen, corporations, some anyway, have gone very woke. And it's kind of odd because they're asking the alligator, the socialists, just hoping that the, the, that alligator will eat them last. Because if AOC and her ilk rule, they're going, to, they're going to come after those corporations as well. Now, why Texas is so strong is when you have reasonable, you know, limited government, low taxes, reasonable regulation. That is a general environment where commerce can thrive. And that's why you've seen Texas was the only state to get, gain two electoral votes. California, for the first time, lost one. So California, New York, New Jersey, Illinois, states like that are bleeding opportunity and they're bleeding prosperity. And where are the people moving to? You know, the free states of Florida, that's the free it. state of Texas that is and it. others, the, et cetera, et cetera. The current uh, feed is Rep. Pat Fallon on Twitter, Rep. Pat Fallon, where in the last couple of days, you've been talking a little bit about Biden always having had the authority to end the border crisis that he created. And is only admitting it now because he sees like 7 million illegal crossings as an election year liability. Uh, how much can we can, can we use the border as a strong argument even for people beyond conservative Republicans that maybe the country needs a border and we don't have one now. Joe Biden right now, what his game is, is he needs some bullet points during a debate in October versus Donald Trump. So that's he doesn't want anything really substantive to happen, because if he did, he would have never would he would have continued the wait in Mexico policy. You go to the border, which I do numerous times, which I have done and will continue to do. And you ask the experts, the Customs and Border Patrol agents at the border, they say that if Wait in Mexico was instituted right now, we would see a 70% reduction in the number of people crossing illegally. Now, Joe Biden does not need Congress, Mark Davis, to do this, but he refuses to do it. Why? Because he truly doesn't care. He's looking for bullet points. So when Alejandro Mayorkas says under oath that this border is no less secure than it has been in past administrations, he's lying. Let me prove it to you. Under the Obama and Trump administrations at this point in the presidencies, they had about 1.7 million illegal encounters on the border. Joe Biden has seen 8.5 million. And I could go down a list of shocking numbers that, like, 
three terrorist watch list people were three people on the terrorist watch list were apprehended in the last year President Trump was in office. Last year, last fiscal year under Joe Biden, it was 169, 450 Chinese nationals. The last year President Trump was in office, 50,000 last year. Opioid deaths have doubled, and um, I mean, again, I could go on. Take up your three hours. On that, <laughs> well, you, you have done it concisely and effectively. And here are the proper deets for Pat Fallon. Rep Pat Fallon on Twitter, on the X, and Fallon, F-A-L-L-O-N, Fallon.house.gov. Let's, let's pay another visit, if not between now and Super Tuesday, right after it's done. There'll be much to discuss, and we always like uh, having your time to share. So we are always grateful. Thanks, Mark. Take care. You're a great American. Thank you, Love sir. You. Fourth District Congressman Pat Fallon, Rep. Pat Fallon on Twitter. Fallon.house.gov is the congressional website. So as we move toward March 5th, as we move toward just the, the varying remaining days, the remaining uh, days that we have uh, between now and the 5th of March, it's one week from tomorrow. And as each day uh, ticks past, and the, the temperatures remain high, both politically and meteorologically. Uh, I think you're just going to see well, what you've seen for the last couple of weeks. I think you're just going to see people doubling and tripling down uh, on on some of the vast misrepresentations. On I, I gotta tell you something. I, I've seen a couple of newspaper articles about ooh, some people, you know, just just are just in in a dither because uh, of of some. Uh, misrepresentation they perceive of somebody who is in the Dade feeling uh, swamp camp, Th- any perceived offenses there pale tenfold compared to the amount of lies and misrepresentations being told about real conservatives by moderate squishes. So as we pilot our way through all of this, do fresh adventures every day. A final word next. I can no longer run. On Johnny Cash's birthday. I cannot be who I was then in a way I never was. One of the last things he recorded before his death in 2003. Watch the clouds go sail. With his daughter Roseanne and a song that she wrote for them to perform. On her album, Rules of Travel, Roseanne and Johnny Cash. In September when it comes. When it comes. Let's let father and daughter take us out as we bid our farewell. Mike Gallagher next from Israel. For producer Rhonda K. Moreland, thank you, Mr. Matt, for the technical guru skills. Thank you, Nikki Whaley, for news excellence. I'll see you in the morning. But while I got you, hop on over to 660amtheanswer.com. Do two things. Number one, let's help feed some kids with our Food for the Poor campaign. When the Click the Give Life banner. We appreciate it. And, and the second thing, get your seats for Mark Davis and Sebastian Gorka and you. Cigar night tomorrow night in Fort Worth. Click on 660 a.m. TheAnswer.com. See you tomorrow night with Dr. Gorka. See you tomorrow morning on the radio. Right here on 660 a.m. The Answer. I'm Mark Davis. Mike's next. September. When it comes.